And good morning. Um, I'm not Gary Gary Nolan. Actually, thank God. Um, oh, did I say that on, on the air? <laughs> this is Scott Van Kirk. I'm filling in for Gary Nolan because he asked me and he keeps asking me and I don't know why that is. So I'll be the one driving the sunshine bus this morning that is Gary on guns. With me today, I have got um, Chuck Basie, current yep. state representative for a few more months, right? A couple, yep, couple right. more. Yep. How are you, Chuck? I'm doing good. Good? You look good. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah. I've been told I look really good on the radio. You do. You do. You do. And speaking of looking good, I've also got Garson from Graf and Sons. How you doing, buddy? Good morning. Yeah. I'm I'm okay. Yeah, you look okay, buddy. Yeah. Uh, well, you should have called me last night. This is what happens when your buddies from the Marine Corps uh, show up in town. Yeah. Yeah, you should have called me. We both would look like you do. <laughs> That's sitting right next to me is Dale Roberts, and it is MoGunLaw.com. Yes, it is. All right. All right. How are you today, sir? I'm well. All right. I'm you're trying you, to keep up with everything. Yeah, I see you got your nose just buried in your laptop. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, you finally replaced that old one, though, so it should work at least faster. Yeah. yeah. Well, Crank it, it up. Was it bigger and heavier? It's yeah. slower. Yeah. Running Windows 3.1. The, the battery was like catching on fire like <laughs> all the time. It was great. All right. Well, we're going to do the very best we can to put on a radio show. Um, the standards are this, what the standards are, so we'll do the best we can. Um, we have a lot of things to talk about. Cause are, are you wearing sandals or yeah. no shoes at all? No, I'm doing a little Brandon I, Rather. No, or? I have actually socks and shoes on. Oh. Yeah, I could. So we're, we're already ahead of Brandon. That's right. I could literally run out of this room <laughs> like a lightning bolt, like a 53-year-old lightning bolt. <laughs> um Gary didn't. Oh, Gary's on vacation. That's why he's not here. I was going to say, Gary didn't tell me why he wasn't going to be here. He's on vacation. I think he's working on the move. Fancy. Fancy move. Yeah. Apparently, he's going from, I don't know, condominium to house or vice versa or, I don't know, maybe an assisted care facility. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. That's a joke, folks. Um, So I'm going to jump into assault weapons ban. Everyone at this table, um, even including Garson, is old enough to remember the original 1994 assault weapons ban. $100 magazines, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't miss that. Yeah. And uh, essentially what happened with that is we had a fully democratically controlled House, Senate, and executive branch president. It was during the Clinton administration. And they passed a, a ban on specific <laughs> weapons essentially based on aesthetics, really. What they looked like, the features that they had, um, nothing at all even remotely related to their effectiveness or yeah, even the, their... the more evil it was perceived to be the more banned it was exactly exactly um such things as bayonet lugs yeah because um, yeah when the last time when anyone drive by bayonetting any yeah. civilian got bayoneted right right even a um i mean i'm trying to remember the from a historical standpoint the last effective bayonet charge i believe was in the korean war um, but anyway even from a military standpoint and maybe Vietnam? I mean, the M16 yeah. still had them. Right, right. Um, there's actually, no, there's a guy who was, uh, um, now we're going to go down a deep dive, which I cannot remember. There was a platoon leader who, in the Korean War, always insisted that his platoon had fixed bayonets, and he, they actually did a bayonet charge against uh, North Korea, <laughs> some North Koreans that was very effective. Yeah. Um, that's a ridic- Those are still on Grands, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a ridiculous aside. But the the basically what we're talking about with the assault weapons ban it was it was the evil it was the birth of the of the evil black rifle they went through essentially um a catalog and picked out 
all of the weapons that looked really, really evil. Well, and it was functionally non-functional, basically. The, the, the aesthetics that made them prohibited were all circumvented in one way or another. And you had essentially the same performance out of a rifle that didn't have the features. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So there was no reason to even do the thing yeah. except you, for to drive up magazine prices. Yeah. That's the only thing I remember from those years from 94 to 2004 right. was magazines that were $10 were now 100 and, you know, $100 or $120 or $200. Mm -hmm. Like uh, STI double stack 1911 magazines were like 200 and 300 bucks mm -hmm. during that time because there was no new magazines. But some companies were selling rebuild parts so you could refurbish an old magazine. Which you so could do. Which you, you could. basically, by the end of the band, you could basically build a new magazine mm -hmm. as long as one of the parts in it was an old part or something and then replace that part later as it failed. Right. And then because, <laughs> because a part of the assault weapons ban, in addition to the evil features on the, on the weapons, was also a, a magazine limit of 10 rounds. 10, Ten rounds. Um, I remember because I was just a baby cop in uh, 1994, um, and the weapon that I was issued was a standard capacity larger than 10 rounds, and we had magazines that literally were stamped. In fact, I think I still have a few of them um, that were stamped law enforcement use only. Um, and one of the one of the workarounds, is, as Garson was explaining, is is they would uh, companies could re sell replacement parts, but not completed magazines um, for standard capacity magazines. For instance, a 30-round magazine, they could sell the body of the magazine, the base plate, the spring, the follower, um, sep as separate parts. And as long as one of the original parts of the magazine um, was pre-ban, which, how do you prove that this spring was made before 1994, you know, magazine? It wasn't stamped. Yeah, nothing <laughs> Nothing on them was stamped. The only time, the only history that I'm aware of when we when they were stamping magazines related to a date was when we were getting the magazines that said law enforcement use only. HK does date stamp their magazines. Okay. So they've always had this two-digit letter code that tells you exactly the year of the manufacturer. That's, that's, that's just, like the outlier in the industry. Yeah. Well, they're H&K, so they, yeah. they've always got to be the outlier. Uh, uh, yeah, otherwise it, it'll, it'll yeah. be like a regular magazine with no markings, or it'll, sell, it'll say LE military use only. Right, right. So there was a number of, uh, it didn't, accomplish anything it was a it was a uh, a law that addressed at that time i think the fbi statistics were what point nine percent of homicides were committed with long guns or something like something well, like it's that it's still low compared yeah. to handguns yeah. and they keep going after the long guns because yeah. that's you know the preferred choice of all patriots i guess yeah. so but we're back we're we're back talking about the assault weapons ban because the current president joe, joe biden, biden has uh has ha, continues to call um on congress to reinstitute the assault weapons ban well and he's it, swearing he'll get one done before the end of his term huh. well good luck if, I he, guess. if he remembers i mean <laughs> he, he may be out sniffing some hair and forget <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i can't look at garson while we're talking <laughs> i mean that's all the time but i mean yeah. uh, <laughs> But the, uh, yeah, because I think he spent quite a bit of time last night coming up with functionally non-functional, um, <laughs> which might be his tagline. Um, no, I got the d Dumber Than Stupid. Dumber Than Stupid? Yeah. All right. Gary's stolen that one and <laughs> gone rampant with it. <laughs> so, Chuck, as a soon-to-be former legislator, 
and we'll miss you because you were my legislator. You know, and I very rarely do have I ever interacted with anybody that I voted for because um, they usually don't win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Boone County. <laughs> where, um, um, where are we in regards to a national level assault weapons ban as it applies to the Second Amendment Protection Act? I, I don't think it would fly here in Missouri, of course. Not, not with our legislature. I don't think we. I, I think we would uh, take every step necessary to, to keep that from happening here. But on the national level, you know, they they've been very outspoken here recently. And and if I could just add something real quick, uh, everybody, a lot of my friends are all giddy about Tulsi Gabbard leaving the Democrat Party. Yeah. Think she's wonderful. I've, I've heard banter yeah. about her being a vice president uh, nominee. Well, four and a half years ago, uh, and, and I like her, nothing against her personally, but this is what she tweeted four and a half years ago, February 28th of 18. She said, the stakes are too high to allow politics to get in the way of Congress taking action to pass common sense gun safety legislation. I've co-sponsored bills to close the gun show loophole, ban assault weapons, require back che- background checks on anyone seeking to purchase a gun, and more. So... Just because she's leaving the Democrat Party doesn't mean she's changing her mm. positions. I think she. Yeah, no, I know, think it's a good thing that she's yeah. done with them. But and but more power to her. This, but yeah, I yeah. still don't think that she's you know a champion on our side Not at, at this all. point. No, I, I think that she has a uh, a long way to go to prove that she would be um, aligned with someone who's more more aligned with let's say my politics or our politics. I mean, I still think Manchin's more on our side than she is. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, on guns, yeah. 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 So, and that so. being said, I've not taken anything away from her. I think she's a very interesting political figure, I mean, and she has been a, a bit of a outlier within the Democrats for quite some time. I, I'm more than happy to welcome her with open arms, right? But yeah, prove oh, it. Yeah, no, I'll give her a chance. Prove it. I definitely want to give her a chance. The problem we run into is um, the bandwagon effect. Now she's leaving the Democratic Party. She must be the best there 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 ever is. Dale, have you got any thoughts on this? As I hit you up just as you drink your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I mean it's nice to see people in the Democratic Party sort of see the light, but you know I'm not sure what what real or lasting effect that's really going to have. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, my concerns are my my biggest concern is the upcoming election. There's been so much talk about, oh, Republicans are going to take the House, Republicans are going to take the Senate, that I'm worried that Republican voters are going to stay home. They're going to say, well, we've got this. I don't need to vote. Yeah, and that's not the case. We're going to, it's, going to be a, the case. it's going to be a red tide. Everybody uh, needs to. And I saw a statistic yesterday. I can't remember the source, so you know, go figure. But estimating that maybe 30% of gun owners don't vote. Like folks, you need to get out and vote. This is kind I'd, of be, a, I'd be surprised if that figure actually wasn't um, higher. To be honest with you, because yeah. we know plenty of people who own guns that are politically not a, not aligned, not interested. We, I mean, as we well, sit, as we sit around this table, we know people who are gun owners who vote against their own yeah. interests. And well, yes. I know. Well, this yeah. is Missouri, so there's a lot of Democrat gun owners here, mm-hmm. um, but you know they still vote party line. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, our amazing producer Brian Hansen, who Gary Nolan does not appreciate at the level that he should, the star of the <laughs> star of the Gary, Gary Nolan show, show on the weekdays, yes, has indicated to me that we need to actually take a commercial break. And uh, we thank everyone who's listening. I thank you guys for being here with me today. This is Gary on Guns on the Eagle ninety three nine, and we're back. This is actually Scott Van Kirk filling in for Gary Nolan. Uh, I have got Chuck Basie, uh, current state legislator. I have got Garson from Graf and Sons. Good morning. You heard, yeah, it's a morning. 
I have gotten Leo Robert. <laughs> Good morning. From Mo Gun Law. Is it law? Not law right. singular. Law the whole, singular. The whole body of law. Sing- yes. All right. All inclusive. There you go. And uh, we, prior to the break, we were talking about uh, the call and continued call, uh, clearing call for the return of the 1994 assault weapons ban by our current president. Uh, we started talking about a few other political figures um, that have popped up recently. I'm going to bring the assault, assault weapons ban thing kind of a little bit full circle. Um, as is the norm, we had a recent um, shooting. Uh, Raleigh, where was it? The the hiking trail one. Um, where so immediately after that, Joe gets on on TV and just, or on on TV and decides to say. Uh, enough. We've grieved and prayed with too many families who have had to bear the terrible burden of these mass shootings. Now, to the best of my knowledge, it does qualify as a mass shooting because a number of people were shot. Um, but we haven't had an identi- any I- identity of the weapon that was involved in that particular shooting. But immediately, we must pound the table and we must state that we need that new assault weapons ban again, or the return of the assault weapons ban. So they really don't miss an opportunity. Um <coughs> The, the talk of the return of the assault weapon ban or the attempt to, um, uh, the president's uh, promise that this is going to happen before the end of his term, uh, based on some uh, an article that, that Garson sent me earlier in the week, led us to an interesting topic, and that was um, uh, former Representative Tulsi Gabbard, who has left the Democratic Party. And Chuck, you brought this up. Uh, and you brought up an interesting fact. Yeah, I mean, she's uh, yeah, it, when all this happened, I was seeing this banter from friends of mine, you know, Republicans, and they were just thinking this is wonderful. And she does speak well, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nothing against her personally, but she's got some really extreme positions still, mm-hmm. uh, you know, climate change and, uh, of course, abortion and some, some other things. But but this gun thing really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. This is only four and a half years ago. She hadn't changed her, right. her thoughts on that. So I, I, I think we need to stay clear of her and let her be an independent. Uh, she can be a non-Democrat, doesn't, doesn't matter to me, but we, we don't need her thinking in our political process, in my opinion. I think she's an interesting political figure. I certainly am curious to hear. She's one of the better-looking Democrats or former Democrats. That I, I mean, she's a nice-looking lady, and I get kind of handed that. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, and I think she's well-spoken, and I think at a base level she's also an intelligent human being. I don't necessarily agree with her opinions or her thoughts on a number of issues and stuff like that. It, to me, it brings up a larger issue, and that's that bandwagon effect. Yeah, she's a veteran, too. She is. Yes, yeah. she is. I, um, she's a captain, officer, I, I think. I believe so, yeah. So, Hel- really? So, I did not know that. Yeah, um, helicopters, I think. I don't know if she was a pilot, but I think she was a commander of maybe a helicopter company or something like that. Wow. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, yeah, no, she's legit that way. I wonder <laughs> if she used an AR-14 in the military. AR-14? <laughs> yeah. AK- Biden wants to ban those, too. AK-49, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, it, that that bandwagon effect always bothers me because I'm. I mean, politically, I'm very much an orphan. Okay, I and I vote very uh, very often um, uh, to the to the to the lesser evil. Often, you know, I will vote for a person. I, I have to pick my issues. The older I get, the more of an anarchist I feel like. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Um, and what scares me, or bothers me, I shouldn't say it scares me. Scares me. Few things scare me in life anymore. Um, but the because that comes with age as well. Um, what bothers me is that bandwagon effect, and and I don't want to. Um, I don't want to get into a political fight because they're very 
they're very supportive of the individual that they support. But I saw this same effect, and I'm not saying it was a to a bad end, but I saw this very same effect with, with pre- former President Trump. That was very much a bandwagon thing. Oh, and big a, time. And a lot of um, former sins, former opinions, former associations. Overlooked and over, ignored. Over, overlooked and ignored. And, and, you know, I see these videos on YouTube of... of like hardcore liberals that have come out and said, I red-pilled myself. I wanted to know the arguments against what, you know, I was going to face to further my opinion and my agenda. Mm-hmm. And they red-pilled themselves, and they're like, I'm a, I'm a staunch Republican now, or I'm a staunch conservative now. And I think that's great, but don't just say it. you got to prove it. you got to have some proof. You know? yeah. And, you know, if, if, you're, if you're coming to the table bring a friend mm-hmm. or you know do something right. more than just right. posting some youtube video saying oh i'm conservative now because mm-hmm. that you know that helps but it's not getting us over the line right well and there's a there's a and there's a consistency issue there when you change when you radically change your your political opinions and i'm not saying it doesn't happen okay um or your party or any number of things that happen in that regard um I give you the benefit of the doubt, but you do have to bring some some proof with you. Um, whereas you have some other people. I mean, um, we'll we'll backtrack to. I mean, backtrack to Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton never really changed his stripes. He was always Bill Clinton. He did moderate moderate himself a little bit on that in the second term, but under political pressure because he no longer had a, a friendly uh, well, Congress. And that, and that trampling they took. Yeah, um, when he lost the House and the Senate right. after the AWB. Yeah, he moderated his positions to try and try and to incrementally accomplish maybe some things that he wanted to do. And um, he was dealing with other right. things that he had done at the time too. So yeah, he had less a, time for pol- politics. Right. right, but that's a that. But I considered him to be pretty politically consistent. Okay, I'm not saying I was a supporter of Bill Clinton. I was in no way, shape, or form. But he was politically <laughs> consistent. Obama politically consistent. Um, he didn't. He, he wasn't a former Republican that changed his stripes and rallied the flag to the Democratic cause, um, which you do. That's and so that wasn't what I call the bandwagon effect. The bandwagon effect, and it seems to affect the right. I think a little bit more than it does the left, where we will jump on a person, jump in, jump on support of a person who starts to say the things that we like to hear, without necessarily proving. Um, that they're that they're actually doing it probably because it's so rare that it happens. Sure, <laughs> that it yeah. gives us all a little warm fuzzy feelings. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. Uh, any thoughts on that, Chuck? And by by all means, disagree with me. No, I, I'm well, wrong all the I time. I think you're making a good point. You know, there there are. Uh, you know, Reagan was a Democrat at one time, mm-hmm. and he had enough. And um, there's others that uh, sure. you know, very prominent people. I just can't think of them right now. Yeah. But, oh, uh, they're playing the music. Yeah. So. What we finished up another segment of that. All right, so Brian Hansen says we're going to take a break, and he actually is running the show. So we'll be right back. This is Gary on Guns on 93.9 The Eagle. Oh, and actually, it's Scott Van Kirk, and I'm uh, a guru of no sort whatsoever. Um, I will let you know, though, if I start that cult. But anyway, so we're doing Gary on Guns. I'm filling in for Gary. Uh, Every time I do, it's always possible that it's the last time. Uh, But here we are. I have got Garson from Graff and Sons, who's just going to look at me. I have <laughs> Chuck current state legislator. How are you, Chuck? I'm doing good. Doing good? Doing good? good? To be here. You got yeah. some ideas, um, and we'll maybe bring them up a little bit later down the road as to where uh, you're headed after the legislature? Yeah, I've already accepted a job. I okay. uh, start with Congressman Lukemeyer right after, uh, well, 
January 3rd is okay, the first good. day I'll work for him. Good. Well, I appreciate Working for his campaign now, so okay. in, in a sense I'm working for him indirectly, but I'll be under his uh, uh, employment starting in January. Look forward to it. Well, good, good. I'm, it's nice to see you yeah, continue not, to be... Not in D.C. I'll be in his Jeff City office. Okay. So, so it's good to see you continue to be gainfully employed because we need your taxes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Millions on welfare depend on you. Exactly. And now, see, right next to me, I've got Dale Roberts from MoGunLaw.com. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. All right. And uh, how are you just doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Doing well? I'm tired. I've been working in the yard. I'm tired. It's... I'm tired. I've been working. Yeah, working, working yeah. all day. Well, I'm going, <laughs> going door to door for some candidates. All right. Knocking on doors. So, yep. Going, yeah. Anyone call the police on you and say, who's this weirdo on my front porch? No, no. Okay. No. Obviously, didn't knock on my door. That <laughs> Picked doors somewhat selectively, but <laughs> I, I did have, and this is not gun related, but briefly, I did have one say how much she appreciated, I'm not sure which way she was going to vote, but how much she appreciated that people would take the time to go out and knock on doors and provide information and help voters be informed. And she said, it makes me stop and think. And I, I was impressed. Yeah. So yeah. that's all we can ask. Did she add that she also really appreciated that a man your age is still out getting a little exercise <laughs> and stuff like that? <laughs> she, she ought to have been thinking. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't say it. So... Just so, hijack yeah. one of those carts from a shopping center and there drive it around the neighborhoods. Hover around? Yeah. yeah. yeah, like, yeah. George, like George Costanza? <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so we have, and I'm going to throw this one to Dale initially, but I know Garson's going to have some, some things to say on the retail side of it and uh, Chuck on the political side of it. But we now are operating on the retail side under enhanced background checks for individuals under the age of 21 between 18 and 20 is that correct yes so if you're 18 19 or 20 then purchase a firearm in my opinion you are just automatically suspect we're going to delay your, the approval of your purchase and your name and address will be provided to local law enforcement so that they can check and see if they can't find a reason why you should not be allowed to purchase a firearm. In one of the proposals or one of the, uh, you know, opportunities is that they will check into your juvenile record. And as a legal issue, you know, if you get in trouble as a juvenile, things get resolved and you're told this record is sealed. No one's going to see it. You know, you were only you know 16 when you did this. Go and sin no more. And now we're saying, yeah, you know, I know the judge told you that. It's not really true. We're going to go open your record and, you know, foolish things you did at the age of 16 may be held against you as an adult. So is so um, the confidential nature and the sealed nature of juvenile records, that is established in law, correct? Absolutely. All right. So has there been a law passed that... Um, opens up those laws i mean opens up those records in regards basically has that has that law been modified has it been backed off of um what's the what's the le the the true not not the operative but the true legality of them using those records well i think it's questionable and i i hope it'll be challenged i mean it, you know this all comes from the bipartisan safer communities act of 2022, and I'm not sure how bipartisan that really was. I no longer can support any bill that has the word safe in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we know how things get labeled. Um, so, you know, it was passed as a federal law, and especially uh, with Missouri's Second Amendment Preservation Act, 
and how we feel about these federal intrusive federal laws that infringe on Second Amendment rights. This is ripe for a challenge. Um, but to answer your question, there's certainly no state law that has abrogated, uh, has changed in any way what was supposed to be the confidentiality of someone's uh, juvenile misbehavior. This is, this is exactly the reason why we passed. Oh, yeah. This exactly. is a good example. And uh, I, I don't think they're done yet, as yeah. we've already talked. Uh, you know, the, the Biden administration is clearly after our Second Amendment. They can't stand it. Well, they, they respect your Second Amendment rights. They just want to eliminate modern sporting rifles, whatever those are, assault weapons, you know, just yeah. make up stuff, and 9 millimeter pistols. Yeah. We On anything high capacity. We, uh, <laughs> we, we support your Second Amendment rights, but... Which, yes. of course, negates everything prior to the yeah, butt, right? right? So on the practical side, FFL, retail side, Garson, what is what is what do retailers, FFL dealers now have to do when we talk about trying to sell a rifle to an 18 to 20-year-old? Well, I mean, we don't have to do anything extra, but nobody under 21 is going to get a proceed. They're going to get a delay, so you won't be able to transfer a firearm until three business days um at the earliest okay in period there's no there's there's no there's no proceed so you're not okay. you're not going to be able to walk into a store and purchase a firearm and leave with it that day okay it's not going to happen there it's not going to it's not going to be a thing so you and i if we're given a proceed on our 4473 paperwork's done you mm -hmm. go home with your property would the this other, be the just a quick question it's say i have a a son, a grandson, or whatever, granddaughter that is in the military and comes home on leave no, at 19 years old. Yeah, and they no, already, no, no exception. Yeah, they, they, they're still going to get delayed. So this enhanced background check can be followed through with. But they, they could be home on leave for two weeks, and then next thing you know, they're over in wherever. Yeah, in the sandbox. Yeah, with machine guns and grenades and explosives and, and um, dirty tents and smelly socks, and they can't exercise their rights at home horrible horrible situation so the the information the enhanced part is actually taking place at nix nix is the one that's taking this information they're immediately going to delay I, I don't know if it's actually happening within nix or within another section of the fbi but yes it's happening at that level okay but i mean they're going to immediately delay yeah it's automatic <clears throat> automatic delay automatic delay no well. no pass go no collect two hundred dollars and then from a procedural standpoint do we have any idea what they are then what the neck what they then do um, it's my understanding that they will contact Missouri, well, if you're a Missouri resident, they will contact local law enforcement or state law enforcement to obtain whatever further information they can about you. Okay. So if there's no information. Um, so I think in, for a future show, and I'm going to bug the heck out of Gary for this one, uh, for a future show, we need to get someone from local law enforcement in and ask them some questions about what is happening now on your end? What? Who's contacting? Do you now have to um, pay extra personnel or extra man person hours to accomplish this because of this federal law? I want to. That's a question I want to yeah, answer. Yeah. To. Fun, yeah. You know, not an unfunded mandate. You, yeah. you have to go out and check their juvenile records and their mental health records. So who does that? And, and who do, who's paying for it? 
And, who, and what's not getting done because they're doing it? And how do they... We're, I mean, we're paying for it, and that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, are you ready? The answer is always we're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what pile of money is it coming out of? Besides ours. <laughs> well, I don't just mean financially. I mean, we're the ones that suffer the consequences mm-hmm. as a whole. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just... Yeah. it's just So there's no, bur- no further burden on you other than the fact that you have to do the delay. Now, is there... Did anything change with the delay process? Because it was my understanding if I came in and I got delayed and you don't hear back within three days, I get my gun, right? Yeah, I have not heard... I've not heard anything about um, any extra steps we have to take... Um, on a delay. As far as I know, after three business days, if we don't hear anything, we can assume the transaction is valid and continue with it. Okay. Dale, did you have something? Yes. So the act says that if the if the law enforcement entity finds that there is potentially some disqualifying information, then the delay is extended up to 10 days instead of three. And I don't know how much or how that's communicated to the FFL, but it's in the act that, that well, we can instantly jump from 3 to 10, hmm. and then we've got 10 days to try and find a good reason not to allow you to buy a, you know, turkey shotgun, because heaven forbid. Uh, and I am going to guess, based on the look on your face, that no one has reached out to well, you guys and said that's what's Well, you're not at the front counter, I, I would have... I would you know, I buy enough guns. I see forty four seventy threes all <laughs> the I mean, time. Yeah, but I, I would think that there's going to have to be a new forty four seventy three issued. Um, so that's going to have to go through the um, government form office, whatever, whatever yeah. that section of the government is that makes the and department. creates and yeah. and issues forms. Um, that's the, the department, government publication something department of forms department. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> I, I don't think there's a space to record that kind of a delay on the current 4473. Yeah. Yeah. So I it, I don't know how that's going to work with the current form, and I, don't know, I I guess they'll do something or not or not. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to take a break real quick. You're listening to Gary on Guns on the Eagle 93.9. And good morning. If you're just joining us, this is actually Scott Van Kirk filling in for Gary Nolan. He is on vacation today. Got some stuff he needs to get done. And I have got uh, Representative Chuck Basie here with me. I have got Graf, or the Graf. I've got Graf from Garson and Sons. No, actually, I have Garson from Graf and Sons. And I have uh, Dale Roberts from MoGunLaw.com. I'm going to get that right every single time now. And uh, we have been doing for the last 45 minutes something that does not usually happen when I host this show. We have been doing a very political show. And I usually don't do political. I usually the election's do, coming. Yeah, I usually do a little bit more on the technical side. I usually do a bit more on the uh, um, uh, comedy side. Maybe I don't know where we're going with that, but um, it has been a good, good and spirited discussion. And the politics side is definitely part of this show. We do politics. We do technical. We do. Uh, uh, Dale answering his phone on the radio, which is fine. Uh, just just when you start talking to the person, make sure they know they're on the air. And uh, that's an FCC thing. But um, it's been good. It's been real, real good. I'm going to bring up um, a recent judicial um, federal court. So I don't I don't see I don't think, know that it has any precedent. But if it heads to a higher level, we could probably get some precedent. And that is a federal judge in West Virginia has ruled that a federal ban on possessing a gun with its serial number removed is unconstitutional. 
the first such ruling since the U.S. Supreme Court's uh, Bruin decision, if I'm not mistaken, dramatically expanded gun rights. And I, I, yeah, I don't know that I necessarily agree with dramatically expanded gun rights. I think it actually just reset things to the way they closer to where they're supposed to be. Um, U.S. District Judge Joseph Goodwin in Charleston on Wednesday found that the law was not consistent with the United States, and I quote, historical tradition of firearms regulation, unquote, which is the Bruins decision standard. Yeah, because serial numbers only became a requirement in 68. And that was a requirement of the 68. The GCA, yeah. Yeah, the Gun Control Act of 1968. Um, So this is interesting. This is interesting. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this, Dale, if you're off the phone? I do indeed. Yeah, that was an alarm. <laughs> <laughs> was my alarm going off to warn me about need, something. Probably need, take, to take take a, pills. need to take a pill or <laughs> yeah. something, yeah. That, you know, it, the first thing it reminded me of, I was uh, chief judge at the Public Service Commission in 96 when the Telecommunications Act, Federal Telecommunications Act, passed to deregulate telecommunications. And so we thought, well, we won't be hearing those cases anymore. We were buried in litigation, and we realized deregulation means it's the Full Employment Act for utility lawyers because of all the litigation (laughs) it takes to to sort things out. The exact same, I think the exact same thing is beginning to happen now, post-Bruin, the number of cases that are going to come up to determine, well, what what does that really mean? Does that mean we don't have to have serial numbers? Does that mean 18-year-olds can buy handguns? Does that mean, you know, on and on? Um, so, you know, those cases are happening. So as to the serial number, I mean, I never would have thought of this. I saw the announcement. I started looking at the case. I thought, you know, race is a good point. It's, I think it's in line with the, with the Heller, McDonald, Bruin decisions at the Supreme Court. Um, the problem is frequently, you know, like after Heller, you know, the decision came out. Then the Supreme Court sort of stepped back for a number of years saying, we're not going to hear any more Second Amendment cases. You have a good argument, but we're just not going to mess with that right now. So I hope this proceeds. Well, I'm, and I've got a, a, just a couple of interesting things. One, um, obviously, no matter how this stuff happens and, and what the Supreme Court decision is, um, lawyers are always going to get increased employment out of any litigation that comes out any decision that comes out of the Supreme Court. Unanswered questions. Yeah. And then the other one I saw a recent article, I think it might have been on Bearing Arms, I don't have it pulled up right now, is that the pro-gun control, people who are in favor of gun control, or as they call gun safety now, that's why I don't support anything that has the word safety in it anymore, um, have now uh, really started to rally their legal forces and are going to start doing really have and are going to start doing really deep historical um, legal studies to try and find historical gun control that they can use in defense of their position to pass uh, their quote unquote gun lo- gun safety legislation and gun control. So they haven't just thrown up their hands and said, "Oh, hey, you guys have won." They are going to do. They're going to continue to do, and they're going to change their tactics a bit, and they're going to um, bring the lawyers to the fight, so to speak, uh, in regards to that. And that's their intention. Yeah, but the good thing about that is it's going to highlight every evil socialist despot in history, because those are going to be their examples. Well, and I think they're they're going to be hard pressed to find what they're what they're hoping to find, just because you know the the number of briefs. I think it was a, a record number of brief, amicus briefs filed in the Heller case. And just maybe two or three weeks ago, Ilya Shapiro from the Cato Institute 
you know, published a paper that was sort of a review, a walkthrough of all the amicus briefs from Heller. And the research done in that case on, you know, text and history of the Second Amendment in America, I can't imagine any stone was left unturned. But it makes sense that they'd go mm -hmm. look and mm -hmm. more power to them. Maybe they'll learn something. Well, and from from my opinion, my standpoint is, is we always have to remember that um, there's always the law. And then we get the law into court, and then it becomes two uh, sides, two attorneys arguing about what the law means. And I think that historically, they I don't feel that they have a leg to stand on, but that is not going to stop them no. from bringing it. And I always remember... I mean, to you and me, the Second Amendment's pretty clear-cut. It is, it is. But there's a million people interpreting it in a million different ways, and we're in this <laughs> quagmire we're in now because of that. Yeah, but always remember, who passes the laws? The government passes the laws, okay? So when they need to defend said law in court, who pays for it? We do. Who pays for us to, cha who pays to challenge the law? We, we do. We get the government we deserve. <laughs> but we do. So, I mean, it's not going to, whether they have a leg to stand on or not, isn't going to stop them from, oh, bringing, no. from bringing these cases. And we're, when we always do, we're going to pay for both sides of that. Yeah. Oh, yes. they're going to, they're going <laughs> to, yeah. They're going to turn that butter machine as hard as they can. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. no matter how clear we may think it is, no matter how clear the Supreme Court may think it is, there are judges between here and there who will come up with different results, who will give us different results. Well, I mean, and, part of the reason for Bruin was the fact that um, the lower level appellate judges weren't abiding by Heller. Yeah, the circuits were split. Yeah. So... You know, the issue on something like the serial number is, will it be big enough if a judge decides, no, the serial numbers have to be there? And is it a big enough issue that the Supreme Court will say, oh, we've got to fix this. We need to take that case. Well, Carson had something really cool to say, but he doesn't get to say it now we're gonna, because we're going to take a break. You're listening to Gary on Guns. I'm your host, Scott Van Kirk, and this is the Eagle 93.9.